I'm often asked how to be innovative or where good ideas come from or how does one create an atmosphere for good ideas to be developed. I get asked a lot of these questions because I am a creative director and have worked as a creative professional for a long time, which basically means I still don't have my shit together and I am still trying to find my purpose in life. (laughs) Now this leads to an even more fantastic question, what is a creative director? My friends consider this the first of many contentious and opinionated episodes on the creative process, surely something that has never been done in the history of podcast making. This is Lines and Shapes. So where should we begin? As the great theologian Lupe Fiasco writes in his epic volume, Dinosaurs, maybe we should begin at the beginning. Sounds fine to me. I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes. Uh, Be warned that it is so damn catchy and really quite brilliant. But if you've not heard it, it's fantastic. Uh, But yes, the beginning. And for that, we look to the stars, right? Uh, Maria Popova essayist and author with immense creative intelligence writes, a portable cosmos of gladness at the chance miracle of aliveness. All of us suspended here in this sliver of space-time with our stories and our poems and each other. Or perhaps we turn to Maya Angelou, uh, out of such chaos, of such contradiction, we learn that we are neither devils nor divines. What is there to learn of ourselves in the constellations and the chaos? In so many ways, through countless generations, we have looked up, we've looked out and beyond to the stars as a critical practice of gaining perspective, of looking for inspiration. I think of Whitman, who often did the hard work of juxtaposing the smallness against the grand scheme. Um, He notes that every atom belonging to me as good belongs to you. And so we, we see this work of looking for uh, patterns or I should say maybe not even looking for sometimes, but discovering, right? We're on a journey and we're discovering patterns out of this chaos, out of contradiction, um, out of this portable cosmos of gladness. And then we begin to see reflected in all of the grand schemes this recognition, a mirror of ourselves at at a microscopic level as well and um and just to sort of jump right in with like what is a creative director you know what is someone what does it mean for someone to be engaged professionally even in the creative process in operating at such a high level that they're able to make a living off of it or at least make a very messy resume of it um you know, what What I think we're getting at is we're saying uh, creative directors have that unique ability to, to 
look at and perceive, recognize something in the grand, something, you know, in the big picture. And they're also able to continually bring it down to earth. They're able to also find the the correlating, corresponding, or sometimes even divergent patterns um, in the smallness and in the in the in the pieces and the elements that make up all of these different, um, in many cases, right, design assets or um, ideas that are going to be translated into uh, workable solutions. Or put another way, something that I have uh, taken to. Yeah, just being a staple, I guess, in, in my lexicon is is that we would say creative directors can see the stars and search the sand, right? So we, we see the constellations from afar while also glimpsing the beauty of nearness, the small and ordinary things. And in this way, we approach every meeting, every event, every story, every experience, every brand— every campaign, that's what we're constantly doing. Seeing the stars and searching the sand. So when I think about the creative process and specifically the role of a creative director, you know, these are individuals who have developed a framework, you know, scaffolding, if we want to think about it like that, to really help facilitate the process by which good ideas are cultivated and and more often i would say discovered because that's what it it really comes down to is that these good ideas are found out you know they were they were revealed in some way and it wasn't that we didn't have a have a hand in making them but so many times we we do have you know ideas like everybody has ideas every client has ideas um they're just often not very good. They're not, they're not the magical, beautiful, wonder-filled things that we are typically after trying to um, find a way to express something authentic and true about, you know, a feeling or whatever the case may be, an invitation to, you know, to really wonder at, at something. And so, and so when I think about the creative process and specifically around things like ideation, you know, it, it, it often is this balance of, of seeing the stars and searching the sand. Um, and then with inherent in that is this notion that, yeah, you're also going to have to be hard at work um, discovering and, and writing about your, about your uh, findings you know, you're going to have to chronicle those, work through them. And, and in that part of the process, you will actually begin to, again, cultivate ideas that begin to flourish. So to recap, what is the creative director an expert in? You know, what is their specialty? What is it that you would hire a creative director to do? And uh, the most basic short explanation that I can think of that makes the most sense is that creative directors are experts on the brand as a collective. You know, uh, they're able to draw out the very best aesthetics, the most artistic collage of something and the poetically magical experience of your story. Um, 
They may not be, for example, the best animator or videographer or even illustrator, but they lead with both a working knowledge of those particular specifics and historical awareness of every aspect in the creative process. So every team member is elevated and knows how they connect to the story or the campaign piece or to the the book, you know, to the project there. Um, So that, in a nutshell, is what the creative director is an expert in. They have learned or are learning to see the stars and search the sand. So the question, I suppose, then becomes, what then is the framework for that activity? How can you, how can you structure your workflow and your day, your, your, your week or even your year um, into being an atmosphere where uh, inspiration and magic can happen, right? Um, which I've actually put some thought into and uh, I've spoken on in creative workshops, you know, at various points throughout my career. And, uh, and there's several authors and artists and makers that have their own approach to it, I have since discovered. Um, so I'll share mine. Um, but, you know, I encourage you to not only find yours, but you do some research and reading, and it's really fascinating. Um, but if you're looking for something to maybe get you started or for something to try on and live in for a while, um, you know, that a, a creative framework for pattern recognition, maybe, uh, then, you know, you can try this out. Uh, my creative framework is called Orbit, and it is both a nod to my incredible nerdy fascination with all things related to the universe and galaxies and space, um, as well as the, the specific, you know, idea, notion, we're going to say idea a lot in this episode, um, that we are also in orbit, you know, in a, in a cognitive, intellectual sort of way, uh, that we're always um, in motion and in rhythm, you know, so there is an orbit that we sort of live within um, this in this idea galaxy, if you will. Like I said, it's super nerdy. Okay, so we're, we're aware of this. So let's jump right in. Uh, orbit is an acronym as well. You may have guessed that because it does not take a rocket scientist to figure that out. But, you know, uh, so and these will be in the show notes as well, but uh, the O in this particular framework stands for observation. And that is that uh, we must take time to simply be present and, and being present to more diverse conversations and transdiscipline experiences, right, is only going to benefit us. And so um, that we learn to, to be still and aware and awake. Um, and this I love because, you know, whether you, you follow more of a mystical kind of expression of Christianity or um, that you are in, in balance with, you know, yourself as a spiritual being or you have some Buddhist influence there, that you would know this, 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 
this feels like meditation or contemplation. This this idea that we can live our lives fully aware and fully awake to the cosmic and expansive reality that is here now. And this really um, this really just scratches the surface of something richer, and that is the the uh, the the mysterious, the surprising and delightful, right? Because how can we tell if we're in orbit without first observing? How can we tell where we're at in any given problem or any project or any, any creative endeavor without first observing? So you, you see that we, we, we know the difference between looking and seeing, for example, where seeing requires one's undivided attention. And then there's the difference between hearing and listening, where, where listening is the truly hard work of actively engaging with what the other is saying, and not saying, for, for that matter. So observation, then, is, is this third dimension engagement, where artists and makers are those who see and listen. And observation will never fully happen for an artist who does not value space and margin because it's in space and margin that we flex those muscles, that we sharpen those skills of seeing and listening. And that pushes us into something like observation, something like meditation or contemplation. And um, I think I've mentioned in the past, but you know, integral theories and integral psychologies then is the mm, language that becomes nuanced and, and, and accurate somehow in a way that, that can describe really what observation is because, because all of this then is, is really pushing us further into a dialogue or a conversation about our true self, this person, this thing that is doing the observing. And here's why that's important, because because the deeper we push in and discover more of our true self, not the ego that's hiding in front or not the not the um, you know complex layers that we have sort of um, pasted in front of our true self so that way people get a picture of something that we want them to see because sometimes that that part of us is doing the observing. Right, and so what we want to do is consistently peel those layers away, and understand, get in touch with our true self. And when we can do that and be in this place of truly observing, of being still, present, aware, then, then we will we will see the mystery that that encompasses everything, and even envelops and encompasses us and our being. And so when we're interested in discovering or recovering and, and generating good ideas, things of real inspiration, that is the world where we will find it, in the mysterious. And we will be surprised and delighted by what we find, and, and then we will take that surprise and delight and we will, we will literally like ingest that and translate that into something surprising and delightful, something passionate, 
and virtuous and good and kind, and we can give that back to the world. Let them know that we've been to a place through stillness, through presence, through observation, and we have found something truly remarkable, and that is the thing worth sharing. And then uh, a habit of observation leads to the next place, quote-unquote, in orbit. You see what I did there? Uh, So the R in orbit then stands for realization. And this is the moment when when patterns begin to emerge. And for each person, it's going to be interpreted and experienced a little bit differently, but the constant is pattern, right? Um, So realization uh, is this notion that, that what once was a smattering of observational um, pieces or data, it's, it's the entries in your journal, it's the quick sketches on a napkin, you know. These are the things that you took away from your time in contemplation and stillness and presence and observation, and all of a sudden you start to look closely at them And this is really the most playful stage of ideation, right? And so uh, it feels a little bit like Lego building. So you just have all of these different little pieces scattered all over. And pretty soon you start picking them up. And this one's curious. And this one looks kind of cool. And what could I do with that thing? And, you know, as you start gathering them in, uh, this is the stage where we're playing with patterns and beginning to uh, what I would refer to as make things real. We're playing with the idea of an idea. And we're asking questions like, what could this be? And what would happen if, um, where could I imagine this going? Those sorts of questions. So ultimately in this stage, we're taking wonder and we're laying it on top of patterns, questions, coincidences, and observations. And poets do this all the time. Long before putting pen to paper, for example, they're ruminating on it. And all of a sudden the idea, the spark that they were drawn to, that, that real bright, tiny fire in the darkness, that thing, as you begin to walk towards that thing, all of a sudden you begin to, to realize that there are other related things. And again, it doesn't always have to be uniform or parallel, right? In fact, some of the best ideation occurs through divergence and, and, and through opposites, you know, or whatever the case may be. And so, um, but this, the, the place in orbit of realization is sort of that that space where you're just beginning to play, you're pulling everything together. And that leads to, oftentimes in, in very close succession to, um, but not always, because we have all been there where this doesn't happen very quickly, but it leads to breakthrough. This would be the B in orbit. So observation, realization, and breakthrough. Breakthrough um, is the messiest place in orbit, in my opinion. So if realization is the playful place and observation is the still place, uh, breakthrough becomes, man, just so messy. And I often um, see this as being comprised of two distinct feelings. You're sort, you're sort of like, oh, sweet, this is going to be awesome. Like it, hit, it hits you. It's the aha moment. And then you equally feel like, oh shit, this is, this is impossible. This is ridiculous. This is absurd. And can I remind you that breakthrough is a place 
to rest a little bit. It's not a place to rush. No ambition is needed in this place. But you also want to balance this with not getting stuck here. And um, the Jews have a maxim where they will say, be still and get going. Be still and get going. I love that. And that's sort of the place of breakthrough. Because uh, in, in breakthrough, in this place in orbit, uh, the idea is that all sorts of raw feelings and, and bright hopes are swirling around together. And the best ideas, having arrived at breakthrough, will be made of the best elements from your previous two places in orbit, observation and realization. And uh, it's important to note that this is, this is where I estimate 80 to 90% of all great ideas come to die, you know. And, and for those of us, the artists and the makers, we are, we are poorer because of it. The world is poorer because of that. And by that, it's not, it's not coming from a place of shame or guilt, but from a place of like, ah, uh, like if we just would have pushed through, if we just would have kept going and not listened to that voice of comparison, or sometimes even... I wonder, I don't know if it's like a voice of reason because that can get really, it can get really deep really fast where, you know, but, but it, but there might be something to this and, you know, I don't know, write me or let me know if this touches on something with you, but it almost sort of feels like, you know, you have to pursue that insane uh, voice a little bit when you're trying to make something incredible, beautiful, lasting, timeless, wonderful, whatever. And, um, because if you just listen to the reason and the rationale behind it, sometimes, maybe many times, uh, it's it, it is it is a bit ridiculous. It's it's a little bit crazy. It's not it's not really supposed to work. But it's the pattern that you saw. It's the thing that sparked inspiration in you. It's the aha moment. And 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 we know that there's these artists and makers within all of us in a sense. Um, but we can see it in few examples through the generations, through 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 the world, where where people do push through, and that breakthrough ignites something just so powerful that they cannot stop. Um, and that moment of breakthrough, the place in orbit, then if you keep going, will eventually lead to the I in orbit, which is iteration. So we have observation, realization, breakthrough, and iteration. And for, again, maybe the 10 to 20% of ideas bursting through breakthrough, they will need to live in iteration if they have any hope of living in infamy. That's what I wrote at some point in the past, looking at some notes here. If it sounds like that was written, that that totally was. Um but this is like, uh, have you guys ever read, um, you know, Jim? Okay, here's the thing. Everybody knows of Jim Collins' book, From Good to Great. I don't know if anybody's reading that anymore. It's one of those incredible, and here's the thing, actually. I did read it back in college. But like, um, it's almost like the book title does as much for a person as the um, as the book. I don't know. That's not true. That makes no sense. But anyways, this would be like that Jim Collins station in orbit, from good to great. However, for so many of us, we take this idea directly from breakthrough and we drop it like on the moon of implementation, you know, and we're going to do it. 
And the, the problem is it was not ready. It, it, it could be good, but it will never be great if we do not take the time to move through iteration. Um, and this, is a, this, is, this can sometimes be a pretty massive spot in orbit. We can traverse here for a long time. We can lose traction and gain traction. We can slip in ruts and we can hit dead ends. And, and we need administration help and we need um, uh, you know, other producers or developers or directors. There's just different people that we need to bring into this process, typically, in iteration. And this then leads to one of the most important um, elements that you'll find in the, the space of, of iteration, and that is uh, failure. Um, Ed Catmull, who wrote a fantastic book called Creativity, Inc., and uh, man, it's so, so good, guys. I highly recommend it, but he talks about uh, failure at length. And I see this as being intimately tied to the life of an idea living in iteration. Uh, and, and there's lots of ways to talk about failure that I think is helpful. Um, this probably will be a separate podcast all about failure within the creative process and the importance that it plays. But suffice it to say, failing forward, failing often, if you've not heard of the importance of this yet, um, please hear it now. It, it is imperative. It's a part of it. It's going to happen uh, and, and it's okay. And it may not always happen in like a massive failure, you know, all systems kind of down thing. Um, but, but you're going to have things that just don't work. And, and man, we've, we've got to get better at being mm, gracious and kind to ourselves and understanding that it's within the place of risk and failure, that iteration ultimately keeps jumping forward. Uh, And so every revolution, every ideological evolution must dare to explore the infinite possibilities in in a sense. There again, I don't think this is a place we can get stuck because that can also feel overwhelming. Rather, I think we just need to keep taking steps forward, trusting the process, trusting the orbit. And in doing this, we will iterate, we will change, we will grow. And in this riskiest place of iteration, you will be led to transformation. This is the last place in orbit, although it's a little bit unfair, I'll explain why in a moment. But the T then is transformation. So observation, realization, breakthrough, iteration, and transformation. And so here we see that the idea has been created and is now illuminated for all to see, right? And because it exists, it will transform the shape of things to come. Because the idea has now been created, made, manifested, it will literally transform the shape of things to come. It has entered existence. And if we as artists have done the hard work of traveling in orbit, we will also contain this idea and it will contain a part of us because again, everything is connected. And so you become, uh, you know, this image bearer of a really great idea. And it now has the ability to transform the way that you also perceive things moving forward. 
And it just occurred to me that, you know, it also will change how others perceive you. Uh, it's just, it's a crazy, crazy concept because I see it all as being, you know, inter interlinked, interconnected. And I mean, we pay attention to the relationship between this new transformed idea and how it, how it arrived and what it does for other connected ideas. This is the work of systems thinking, you know, paying attention to the relationships between things. Um, and, uh, and the, and this space of, of transformation again, it, it, it often feels like, like if you've ever had anyone say, I can see your fingerprints all over this, or this piece of music sounds like so-and-so, you know, if you've experienced things like that, whether you've shared them or whether they've been a gift to you, that's, that's really what they're getting at. They're like, this thing is transformative and it carried a piece of this person's, you know, dream, observation, something that they noted with them. And now it feels somehow uniquely like them. It's different, but the same. Um, however, for the idea to be transformational, it will somehow be an unveiling of the revelation that you first had when you observed the first surprising thing way back in observation and realization, those two pieces flowing really closely together. So I want to say that again. For an idea to be transformational, it will be an unveiling of the revelation you first had when you observed that surprising thing. It may not be the only piece of it, because again, remember, it will have changed through the realization process. It will become part of a pattern. And, and through breakthrough, you will begin to capitalize on that spark. And you begin to fan that flame, so to speak. And then iteration, it actually begins to change and evolve. However, it has to include that moment of like, this is curious. This is something worth taking note of. This is worth me sharing with someone. And, and that piece, that little core, if you can hold that steady through the process and somehow have it be foundational, elemental within the last component, you know, the last component, the last thing that you produce, that will be transformational. And in that, we've really come full circle. We observed something delightful or surprising. We realized the pattern in it, and we experienced breakthrough with the idea itself. And that idea was then riskily subjected to iteration. And we together, and even the idea itself then, become transformed. And we're back in observation, back in orbit. We're now then observing things again, sometimes even because of the thing that we've added to the world, or painting, or piece of music, whatever the case may be. Sometimes not. Sometimes we're in a different kind of orbit or whatever altogether. But that is this framework that I have found helpful in um, benchmarking and sort of helping me describe, even for myself, some of the creative process. And as I reflect further on this idea of what is helpful, I think, of course, about what kind of tools we can then bring 
with us on this journey through orbit, bring with us into this creative framework. Now, it's probably best to save the exploration of these tools for another podcast episode, but I do want to give you maybe just a little taste. Uh, So a few tools out of several that we can hit on later. Uh, One is to ask great questions. Really, really simple, but we know from folks like Wendell Berry that teachers are everywhere, he says. What is wanted is a learner, right? And so we do need to continually ask great questions. This reminds me of a recent conversation I had uh, at my co-working studio with a new friend, an art director named Meg, who mentioned a question that she uses with her team and clients to help basically push them further along in the creative process. And she said, the question is this, is it good or is it different? Is it good or is it different? And I love that because so many times as creative directors or art directors, we're trying to get a team to understand that, yes, a certain design choice or discernment about the best way to move forward. Um, there, there sometimes can be lots of options, and sometimes they are different, and and that feels exciting, you know. But at the end of the day, as you're listening to your client's needs and goals and strengths and weaknesses and all the things, uh, one of the best tools and one of the best questions to ask is, But does it help us get closer to something good, closer to success? So anyways, ask great questions. Uh, A second tool is that of self-awareness. I think we mentioned this in the last episode for sure, and I've written about it extensively, but uh, becoming more self-aware not only helps us become more holistically healthy, but truly, uh, it can also lead to more success. And by that, I do not mean more money, um, but I mean a way of living that we can be proud of. And it can often lead to higher optionality. I'll talk about that more later. Gosh, I'm really getting off the rails. But anyways, uh, become more self-aware. That's just, that's a great tool. And uh, maybe we'll talk about a third one. Okay, so yes, Uh, I think a great tool would be that of building a personal knowledge management system, PKM. Uh, Not a repository of information, not an Evernote full of a jumbled mess from years of, you know, great things, but an actual way to help you connect your ideas or link your thoughts, as Nick Milo would say, and exercise those creative intelligence pathways, you know, the neurological synapses, get them, get them firing, um, having conversation with your, your own self and, and, and actually diving in to the thoughts that you have and reflecting on them and, and writing them out and, you know, really teasing everything out. So, um, I'm, I, I, I'm so excited to drop an episode on the personal knowledge management system and tools even within that, you know, everything from Notion to Obsidian to, um, oh, what else is out there? Rome Research is another big one. There's so many. Anyhow, we'll be jumping back into that, but 
anyway, there's a few tools that we know that we can have at our disposal as we move through orbit, as we exercise, um, you know, the creative process uh, within this creative framework. And as I look at the time, man, there's so much I didn't touch on. I have like poems here that I could have read and some different artists that I wanted to bring your attention to. Uh, I will... I will work on a follow-up to this. There's going to be, like I said, there's many episodes that could be made on the creative process, and we all have like opinions and experiences on that, as well we should. Uh, but um, So anyways, I will, I will take that back to the planning stage and separate those out into another, another episode. Uh, but I don't know. I would wish that you would go forward into your week seeing the stars and searching the sand, making space and margin to truly observe the world around you and the world within you. And in that, you would begin to realize that there are patterns connected one to another all throughout time and space, the areas that we live and move and the people that we talk to and And as we take note of that, we would experience breakthrough, fantastic, surprising, delightful, wonderful, passionate idea that is sparked within us. And then we would take the time and the risks involved to iterate and build, to make that thing and to remake it over and over and over again until we can trust intuitively, perhaps, uh, that, that it is ready to be shared in whatever capacity that is uh, with those around us. Sometimes that might be a single person or a group, or maybe it's even much more than that and extends to the, extends to the world in some regard. Maybe it's a podcast that you're working on. And if that happens, let me know. Um, tell somebody about it. Invite them in. Let them see it. Let them, too, be transformed. And until then, and until next time, stay curious. Mm -hmm.